Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. It is so good to see each and every one of you. I hope you're doing well. I'd like to begin by just asking you if you brought your Bible with you, if you could grab your Bibles and open them or open up your Bible app. And we are going to be today in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, and we're going to pick up in verse 11. So that's Luke 17, verse 11. You can also um, grab your worship guide and you can follow along, you can take notes if you desire to do that, but um, today we are blessed to be starting a new three-week series leading up to Thanksgiving, and and we've entitled this three-week series, 21 Days of Thankfulness. And what we're going to be doing really is just spending the next three weeks really just preparing our hearts for Thanksgiving. The truth is God's people We are to be a thankful people. In fact, God commands that his people, he commands us to be be, be thankful. Now, we're going to look at this in more detail next week, but um, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, the Apostle Paul says this, give thanks, it's an imperative, in all circumstances. So, So Paul begins, he's just saying here, if you're a Christian, then you give thanks. Like you're marked by that, right? No exceptions, no excuses, Nothing really outside of those divine imperatives and everything we're to give thanks. And a failure to give thanks, a failure to give thanks to the Almighty God, it's a sin. It's a sin. And um, the curious thing is um, it's really surprisingly easy to do. And what I mean, it's surprisingly easy not to be thankful. I think we could all... We could attest to that. I, in my own experience, I have found that it's exceedingly easy not to be thankful. And um, I just, I want to share a story with you. Um, I've shared it before. Um, some of you may have heard this story, but um, it's my Thanksgiving story. And, and I'm always reminded of it this time of year, but it's a time um, when the sovereign God of the universe used a monkey to teach me about being thankful. And it's gonna lead into our text, and and I want to share this with you. Um, 
Maybe this has happened to you before. Maybe, maybe you've possessed something that you loved and, or, or, or you, it was, you liked it okay, but, but you weren't thankful for it. And then for whatever reason, that thing is taken away from you and you say to yourself, man, I should have been thankful for that. Well, well that happened to me and the God arranged all these circumstances in such a way to teach me this lesson. And so... Um, I was in, my wife and I, we were in, most of you, many of you know, in East Africa for nine years and the city of Dar es Salaam. And um, one of the things that we had there was this really amazing car. It was this big four-wheel drive, just tank. I love the car. It was a Nissan Patrol. They don't make them here. They're awesome vehicles, right? But there was one thing in this car that wasn't um, cool, and that was its radio, man. I mean, it had a radio maybe from, I don't know, the 70s. I don't know. It had, uh, well, it had like a, this cassette, you know, kind of thing. That's what it had. And it just didn't work very well. At best, I could pick up two, two stations in all of Dar es Salaam, four or five million people. I got two stations, and um, they were staticky. So I'm always complaining about my radio. I got the worst radio. I'm like, baby, we got a new radio. This radio is just a, a bad radio, okay? So you get the picture. I'm not grateful for this, this radio. And then um, it just so happens that at a certain time, a certain point, um, we were invited to this um, conference in Nairobi. And um, it was a women's conference. Um, Beth Moore was there. And basically, it was Beth Moore and some of the missionary women. And, and my wife was going to it to hang out with all those guys. And so I'm not invited. It's a women thing. But I drive my wife up there, okay? It's a two-day conference in Nairobi. I got two days to kill, all right? Here's the story. I got two days to kill. I don't know what to do. I got a buddy who lives in this town called Nakuru. I go drive to Nakuru, hang out with my buddy. Here's what my buddy says. I'm in my car. I'm in my cool car, man. My buddy says this. He goes, listen, I've got word. I understand that a rhino has just recently given birth to a baby rhino out in this game reserve. And I thought to myself, that would, oh, that's it. That's that, that's that baby rhino, man. I thought to myself, it'd be cool to go see the baby rhino, to find the baby rhino. So here's what I do. I get up in the morning. I put, I put my um, sandwich in, in, in the car because there's no 7-Elevens. There's no McDonald's. There's no Starbucks. You go out there. You're out there. and nobody's going to help you, and you got to eat. You got your, your... So I go out there. I search the whole morning for that baby rhino. I took that picture. Baby rhinos are cute, aren't they? All right? They're cute. Cute little dude, right? Take my picture. So I spend the whole morning looking for the baby rhino. I'm kind of tired. I'm kind of hungry. So I pull under a tree. And so I, I, and then the Savannah, I'm all by myself, all this stuff. And I'm sure there's somebody somewhere, but not around me. And so I get out my sandwich. I eat my little sandwich. I still got time to kill, man. So um, I'm kind of sleepy. So I say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take me a nappy nap. And so I just, you know, recline in my seat and, 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 and I take a nap. All right. And I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping maybe 10 minutes, man, maybe 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, I'm awoken by all this noise, okay? And I look, I wake up, I look, and my, my, my car is just covered with monkeys, all right? Vervet monkeys, all right? It's monkey, they're not, they're monkeys, okay? So I wake up, and I'm like yelling, like, get away, toka toka, get away from my car, you monkeys. And um, I hit the, the ceiling, and they all run away, except for one little monkey. One, one little monkey didn't run away. One little monkey walks up. To me, So I'm in my car, i got my steering wheel here. It walks up to the window. It looks at me with its little beady monkey eyes. True story. The monkey reaches out. He grabs the antenna to my car, breaks it, <laughs> drops it, 
walks away. All right? God's sovereign, man. God's sovereign. Because I'm telling you, at that point, I started thinking, man, I had a really nice radio. All right? That's what I'm thinking. I go back to Nairobi, pick my wife up. We got to drive all the way back to Dar es Salaam, and I'm just complaining. That, that, that. There's, there it is. That's the, the monkey did that. The monkey brought my... So I'm going, you can't, you can't. For the, for the rest of my life, as long as I was there, I never fixed that radio. I never could, never again. Never again. I couldn't hear, my radio didn't work, and I wasn't thankful. So it took a monkey to take away my radio in order for me to learn that I need to be more grateful. I need to give thanks for the things that I have because I really don't want no more monkeys coming away breaking my stuff. Nonetheless, here's the deal we're going to be looking at. Well, you know this, and I've learned this. Gratitude doesn't come naturally to the flesh. And so today, we're going to look at a passage where 10 people are blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ, but only one of them comes back to give thanks. So we're going to walk through this, and we're going to learn from this. And we're going to let it set on us, and it will teach us. So let's, let's just walk through this, what I call uncommon, un, I call the whole message uncommon gratitude because it isn't something that comes naturally to the flesh. Verse 17, verse 11, the first thing we're going to see is 10 were healed. 10 are healed. Let's read this. All right, verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he, that's Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. So we're told that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. You know, why, why is Jesus going to Jerusalem? Well, he's headed to the cross, and that's where he is going. But on the way, we're told that he's traveling between Samaria and Galilee. So this is where he's at. Verse 12, the very first of it, it says, And as he entered a village. Well, Paul's there. So he's, he, we say he's not in the village yet. He's going into the village. He's on the outskirts of an unnamed village. The rest of verse 12. He was met by 10 lepers who stood, we're told, specifically at a distance. And so let's pause and let's talk about this because there's a lot going on. Um, the Bible is really painting a really sad picture for us, okay? The first question that comes to my mind when I read this is, why are these 10 men standing outside the village? Well, the answer is, it's the law. I'm not necessarily talking about governmental law. I'm talking about capital L law. It's the law. It's the law of the Bible. It's the Bible, the law of God. Let me read this for you. Leviticus 13, verse 45. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out unclean unclean he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease he is unclean he shall live alone check it out here we go his dwelling shall be outside the camp so these 10 men are congregating outside of this unnamed village standing at a distance because they're obeying the law of god all right that's why they're there another question we should probably talk about briefly really is what is leprosy what is it well, the word here in the Greek is a word, it's lepros. 
And it's really a general kind of term for any number of skin diseases. But the most severe of these diseases is called Hansen's disease. And it's really what we call leprosy today. And that's most likely what these 10 men had. And basically, Hansen's disease or this form of leprosy, it attacks the skin and the nerves. You get lesions on the skin. It disfigures the face. It collapses the nose, causing folding of the skin. Now, it doesn't eat the flesh. That's a, that's a, that's a myth. It doesn't eat the flesh. But due to the loss of feelings in your, really your extremities, your hands and your, your, your feet, the people who, who have this disease, they wear away the digits of their hands and their feet unknowingly. Church, it's an absolutely horrible disease. It's painful. And if you had leprosy, you're cut off from your family, your friends, and banned from all of society. In addition to that, there's a social stigma Because you see, their condition was considered to be on them because they had sinned against God. So people would look at them and say, that's a divine judgment upon you, man. You brought this on yourself. And so they'd look at them and just say, man, you're doing this to yourself. It's a horrible disease. It's an absolute horrible disease. You lose everything. You're in pain. You lose your friends and your family. And everyone says, you sinned, you caused this. It's a harsh picture. That's what we're shown here. And evidently, Jesus is entering this village. These men are out there. They see Jesus, and look what they do. They cry out, verse 13. says, and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he, that's Jesus, saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest." And as they went, they were, come on, cleansed. They're cleansed. That's amazing. That's amazing. Right? They're healed. And their skin is made whole. And the leprosy disappears as they're walking towards the temple or the synagogue to show the priest. So in other words, all 10 of them had a need. All 10 of them brought that need to Jesus And Jesus met all 10 of their needs. It's a beautiful picture. It's an amazing picture that we we see here. And when I look at this, I think there's three things that these 10 men had in common that we can learn from. There's a commonality here. And let's just observe them. Because in a moment, I want to contrast because the text does that. But let's begin, let's, these 10 men, let's, let's look at what they had in common. Let's just walk through this. First thing I, I see here is that all 10 of these men, you see there was desperation. There's desperation. Like, 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 like all these men were desperate. Like all these men had leprosy, the most feared disease of that day. They met Jesus when he was entering the city and notice. Lepers, they got, they got no idea what Jesus has been doing. They don't know if Jesus has an important meeting to go to. They don't know if Jesus is tired or exhausted. They don't know if Jesus really even cares to be interrupted. They don't care. Why? Because they are desperate. They're desperate individual, individuals, and desperate people will do anything. Desperate people will do anything. I'm going to tell you something you will never see in your entire life. 
You will never see a man drowning casually ask those standing around him for help. Why? He's desperate. You will never see a drowning man sit there and say, if it's not inconvenient, could you give me a hand? When you find the time, throw me a float. No. They're desperate. They're desperate. They yell. They scream. One, t- you know, one time in my life, I thought I was going to die. There, was one, there might have been other times that I was close to it. I just didn't realize it. But there was one time that I thought that I might die. And when that moment occurred, I was desperate. I was desperate. Now, I'll tell you the story briefly. Um, once again, it's back in Africa. My wife and I, we had a team of volunteers with us. We're in Tanzania. We're out in the bush at a camp. And um, I do, man, I do one of the lamest things. I know better. I ought not, should not. I tell no one to do this. But I took a little walkie walk by myself. You don't do that, people. Do not do that. So I'm maybe, an, I wasn't far, an eighth of a way from the camp. And there's a bush. And I look up, and there's this huge elephant staring at me, right? And if you don't know this, elephants kill people. They don't think twice about killing people. In fact, the area, I was in a place called Makumi, um, an elephant had just killed an individual. And I'm like, Am I? I'm, like, I'm going to die. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a bad thing for my wife to see. That's what I'm thinking. And so I do another thing you're not supposed to do. I'm like, I'm going to outrun the elephant. <laughs> well, hey, guys, listen, listen, listen. You can't. It's not, yeah, I don't care how fast. No, I'm going to be outrunning some elephant. So I take off. He's coming. And I just, by God's grace, I just stop and I pray, I pray, and I pray, and I look down, and I'm just, I'm, I remember I grabbed a leaf, and I'm just staring at this leaf by this bush, and then from the depths of my stomach, I yell, help! I use a voice I didn't even know I had, and I scream, and I yell with all of my might because I am desperate. My wife hears me. She never heard me use that tone before. She thought perhaps I was bitten by a snake, She jumps into the car with the bad radio, right? And she puts it in gear. She comes towards me. She sees the elephant. She gets between me and the elephant. I jump in the car. We say, peace out, elephant. That's what I'm saying. Listen, you need to learn how to drive standards. That's all I'm saying, because I was desperate. I was desperate. I didn't care. I was going to yell, and I was going to scream. That's these guys. They didn't care where Jesus was going. They didn't care if Jesus was busy. All they knew was that they needed Jesus, right? That's all they knew. Knew they needed Jesus. And I'm going to say this. I think the problem for many of us today is that we don't realize how desperate we are. And so we don't call out to Jesus. So I just want to say this as clearly as I can. If you have not repented of your sins and called upon Christ Jesus to save you, you are in a desperate situation. The wrath of the living God rests on you. It's a desperate situation. But you too can get out of it by just repenting and believing. And these guys are desperate, and they just yell. Okay, so that's the first thing they got in common. These men are desperate. They got some other things in common. Look, there was a cry, they all cry for mercy. I love, I love, I love, I love the way they articulate their need. It says they lift up their voice. Once again, they're yelling. These men, they're, they're yelling. 
And what do they cry? Look, the first word they cry, look, is master. Check it, church. That is a really odd word to use here. In the Greek, it's epistates. That's the word in the Greek. Now, here's the weird thing about it. This word is only used in the book of Luke. It always refers to Jesus, and this is the only time in the Bible that this word is used by anyone other than a disciple. This word should get our attention, right? These leprous men are using this really unique word. It means, or is applied to someone who has power, someone who has authority. This lets us know these lepers, they knew who Jesus was. They had heard about him, right? So they say, master. And then they cry out, look, 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 have mercy on us. Hey, Jesus, we need mercy. Our disease is incurable. Our situation is hopeless and our lives are miserable. Have mercy on us. Heal us. All 10 of them, desperate. All 10 of them cry for mercy One final thing all 10 of these guys do in unison. Look, you see there was obedience. Oh, this is is, is beautiful. Check it out, man. Look, so, so Jesus, he doesn't heal them all immediately, right? He told them to do something. He goes, you gotta do something. You have to obey my instructions. And what does he say? Go show yourself to the priest. Once again, Leviticus 14 says, in order to be declared cleansed, you had to go see a priest. That's the law, all right? So notice, this is important. It says, they were, look, they were cleansed as what? As they went. In other words, the healing did not take place until they obeyed the command. They did not get their healing until they were obedient. Had they not obeyed Jesus, they would not have been cleansed by Jesus, right? It was not until they were obeying that they were cleansed. Once again, it speaks powerfully to us. Now, I'm going to say you cannot and you should not expect blessings from God when you walk in willful disobedience and sin. You can't. You can't. You cannot live in unrepentant sin. I know we all sin in man, but we repent. I'm talking about those of us who, who, who do things we ought not, we know not. It is sin. God says, don't do this. We look at God saying, no, I'm going to keep on doing it. And I want you to bless me. And we think he's going to bless us. You can't do it. You cannot not read your Bible not pray, not attend church, look at things you should not, say things you ought not, not repent of them, and think you're going to have the abundant life. But I run into into Christians who sit in there willfully looking at things they should not look at. God says, don't do that. They say, no, you know what, I think I'm going to do that. And then they're surprised when they don't have the abundant life. The blessing came after they were obedient, all right? All right, that's the first picture we get here. Now, the scene is going to shift because although all 10 of these men had these three things in common, one of these men is going to do something uncommon. He's going to say, thank you. It's uncommon, isn't it? It's uncommon gratitude. So let's contrast the picture now because scripture does. You got this one picture, let's contrast this other picture, we're going to see one was saved. One of these guys saved, man. Verse 15, we're going to keep going. Then one of them, 
when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God, here we go, once again, with a loud voice. So I don't know, one of them, as they're walking towards the synagogue or the, or the temple, he looks down and he notices his hands is healed or his, all his hand, his skin, is, is, it was scarred and now it looks beautiful and it causes him to do something different. Something different than the other nine men. Up until this point, these men, man, they're all in unity, right? Acting in unison, right? But when they get healed, one of them does something different. Look at verse 16. He turns around. Look at this, look at this. Look, first, look, oh, come on. And he, that's that healed man, fell on his face, on his face, where? At Jesus' feet, and what does he do? Gives him thanks. So he goes up to Jesus, he falls on his face, and he says, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And he did in a loud voice. I don't care. I don't care who around me. They're going to hear me giving thanks to Jesus. That's what this man said. Praising God. He's, he's, he's giving glory to God. Did you know that when you thank Jesus, you glorify God because God is glorified in our gratitude towards him? It's a beautiful picture we see here. In fact, we could have a whole worship service where we do nothing but give thanks because it glorifies our God. Look at the rest of verse 16. We, we see something else here. It's an interesting thing. It says, now he, that's this man, he's a Samaritan. That's curious. Why, why, why are we giving this piece of information? Like, like, does it matter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're meant to see something here. Jews... And Samaritans, they hated one another. And Jews certainly would not have expected God to heal or save a Samaritan. But in the book of John, Jesus saves many Samaritans in the Samaritan village. And the first person whom Jesus revealed that he was a, the Messiah, a Samaritan woman. Once again, John chapter 4. So we see here, nobody, ain't nobody, ain't nobody outside of Jesus' power to save and to heal. He has always been working among the nations, and he is until this present day. And so this man is saying, thank you. And we get to verse 17, because Jesus, Jesus got some questions. Notice these questions. Like, nobody tells us the answer to these questions. Jesus is going to ask them. And I think he's asking all of us this question. First question. Then Jesus answered, verse 17, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Jesus is like, hey, 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 hey. I thought there were 10 of you. Did I not heal 10 of you? Where the other nine at? Now, the Bible doesn't give us the answer. The Bible doesn't give us the answer to where the other nine were at, but I know what they be doing because we do the same thing. They were out enjoying the blessings so much so that they forgot to thank the blessor. You been there? I've been there. I've been there. I've been there. Enjoying the blessings, forgetting to thank the blessor. Enjoying the gift, and forgetting to thank the one who gave me that gift. Look at verse 18. Got, got another question. 
was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner. Verse 19, and he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith, that saving faith, which is a gift from God to us, has made you well. Church, guys, if you can, underline made you well. This is really curious. This is not the same words used in verse 14. In verse 14, it says they were cleansed. But in verse 19, it says they were, he was made well. Two completely different Words. This word, to be made well, we could go into it and study it, but basically he's saying, you have been saved. You have been saved from your sins. You have been made completely well. So 10, well, let me tell you, he was cleansed. 10, okay, let me say it this way. 10 were made well. One was cleansed. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, come on. One was saved. This man alone received the second miracle, the greater miracle, the greatest miracle, and that was salvation from sin. So real quick, three lessons that I think we can compare and contrast to the first point is about this uncommon gratitude. Real briefly, let's just walk through this. First thing we see here is all the lepers were blessed. Now I want us to get a hold of this. I want us to understand this, right? Like, 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 they were all blessed. And they should have all given thanks. And it's true of the leopards then, and it's true of us today. Like, God has blessed everyone, Christians and non-Christians, and we all should give thanks. Like, there's, I've been in a lot of places, and I have not been to one place where God has not blessed in many ways who has not enjoyed the warmth of the sun? We all get to do that. Don't matter. You can love Jesus, not love Jesus. You're going to get to enjoy the sun. We all get to enjoy the taste of coffee. We can all eat a good taco. You don't have to love Jesus to love tacos. But it's a good thing when you do love Jesus and love tacos because you know who gave you that good taco. All right? That's another thing. But The grace that we all enjoy, the gifts that we all enjoy, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, is called common grace. And everyone gets common grace. We all receive common grace. But Christians, in addition to common grace, we have received what we call saving grace. That's grace upon grace. And we ought to be, church, we ought to be the most thankful of all. In fact, we're to be marked by it. You're to distinguish us by that. That is to be one of the distinguishing characteristics of a Christian. And we should all give thanks. But not only that, we see that not all the lepers gave thanks. We've looked at this briefly, but once again, the the, the other nine, they go about their business. They go back to their homes they, go back. They, they probably gave an offering. They do all that religious stuff, but they don't return to Jesus. Final thing we see here is only one was completely healed. The other nine, I think, no doubt, intended maybe to go back and do the religious activity, maybe the offering. 
do their religious thing, but once again, only one return to worship God in the Christ. Colossians says, in whom all the fullness of deity dwells. I believe here in this little passage that Jesus is teaching us. Christians, he's teaching us that where there is true faith, where there is saving faith, you will find profoundly grateful people. And I believe that's what he's teaching us. God's people are to be a thankful people. We are to be a thankful people. So now, real quick, I want to circle back to the title of this series that we're going through for three weeks. We've entitled it 21 Days of Thankfulness. So, this weekend and all nine of our services, we are starting what we are calling a 21 Days of Thankfulness Challenge. All right, so I want you to just just listen to me. This isn't real complicated, but I think it's going to be altogether helpful. Starting today through the end of the month, we want to challenge everyone. Don't when I say this, don't 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 say it. This sounds okay. Some I'm, this is my own self. Sometimes someone says something like, "Man, that don't sound like it's going to be helpful." Just listen. Hold on. This is helpful. All right. I want to challenge everyone to start a gratitude journal, all right? Listen, listen to me real quickly. Some of you guys, you're like, I'm not doing it. No, 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 listen, listen. It don't have to be fancy. It can be a pad or paper. You can even open just notes on your phone. It doesn't matter, but here's what I wanna ask all of us to do. Each day, I want us, for the next 21 days, to the best of your ability, but I want us to try to commit to this, to do a few things every day. This will not take you very long. Let me just go through it. Look at the bottom of your outline. These are the three things that I'm going to be doing, and I hope you're doing this, all right? First, write one characteristic of God that you're thankful for. And we'll take a moment. I'm thankful for his sovereignty. Oh, man, I'm thankful for his graciousness. I'm thankful for his love. I'm thankful. There's so, right, just one. Second, Write about one person you're thankful for. One person. Every day, just watch, write it down. One person, whatever name, write it down. Third, write down one experience you are having or have had that you're thankful for. Like, I'm thankful I didn't die by an elephant. That's just got to be, you know, <laughs> just a weird way to die. And then take a few minutes in prayer and thank God for these three things. Then I want you to do one final thing, and this is where you might be tempted to stop, but I'm real, this is really what I think is one of the most important things. I'm asking you to do this. Then send a note or email or text to the person you're thankful for. I imagine for all of us it's gonna be a text. I get it. That's cool. It can be someone here in this sanctuary. It can be a brother, a sister, and your spouse, there's so many. For 21 days, just write. I'm thankful for you. I thank God for you. And that's it. That's it. So starting today, 
And that's the 21 days of thankfulness challenge. All right? I, I, I challenge you, just do it. I'm not going to keep track on you. All right? But I'm going to tell you this. You do this for 21 days leading up to Thanksgiving, I think it's going to reorient your whole holiday experience. Don't make it too complicated. You can write it, like I said, on your phone, anywhere, these three things. Because I don't, I don't, I don't want to be like those nine jokers, enjoying the blessings, but not thanking the blessor. Let us be a people. I'm thankful for that man right there. Exactly. I love you, brother. I'm so thankful for all of you, really. I love you. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They're about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.